this, in this chapter today. John chapter 3, verse number 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time to his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, You must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. For if I told you earthly things... And you believe not. How shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. This was a, a very important spiritual lesson being explained to a religious man who had a lot of religious thoughts and ideas in his head, no doubt, but the concept of the new birth was something totally foreign uh, to him. Now, it should have been something that he could kind of catch on to, especially understanding that everybody that's alive today was born. Physically, naturally, we were all born. I don't know about you, but for those of you that are parents, uh, the, the day that my children was born was quite a, an amazing day and a miraculous day. I was 22 years old. Marcia was 21 years old, I think I got that right, when uh, Erica was born, and uh, she was born at uh, uh, St. John's, St. John Mercy Medical Center in St. Louis, Missouri, and uh, uh, when she was born, it was quite a day, I'm telling you, it was quite a day. Actually, I got into pretty bad trouble that day, because uh, while Marcia was in labor, I decided to go with my mom and I don't know who else was there. Jeannie, I think, was there. 
uh, we decided that uh, we'd been up half the night or uh, several hours, and so we decided to go to breakfast downstairs. And when I came back from breakfast, Marcia was not really happy with me. Where have you been? While she was in the middle of, of labor, and I was down in stairs eating breakfast. But we won't go any more into that. But it was a... Uh, but I have to tell you that I was there when she was born, and it was amazing. And she was amazing. And as you know, Erica is perfect, still perfect. I declare that quite often. Uh, but uh, uh, it was quite an amazing thing, the day that our children were born. I was there when Erica was born. I was there when... when uh, Kara was born. I was not there when Mandy was born, and it's all Marty's fault. It's all his fault because he needed someone to travel with him uh, to, to Illinois. Adam had been born about three weeks before that or so, something like that. And he needed someone to travel with him to Illinois to get Joyce and Adam and bring them back to London. And so we left after church here on Sunday night. Our plan was to drive six hours there to sleep a little while and then turn around and come back. And so surely the baby wouldn't be born in less than 24 hours. But I was wrong. Because as soon as I arrived in Thames, Illinois, and laid down to go to sleep for a few hours, the call came that she was in labor. She had spent the night with Brother and Sister Huff and got up that morning, knew she was in labor, and uh, they took her to Hyden, uh, uh, Kentucky. Took her to Hyden, to Mary Breckenridge Hospital, uh, to be born. And uh, I missed it. And I was sad that I did, but I got back as quick as we could. There's a lot to tell about that trip. Uh, that's, a lot of things happened on that trip. But we made it back, and I got over there. But I missed the birth. And I hope Mandy isn't too scarred. By that, I went through all that just to uh, uh, say that we all understand about natural, normal, physical birth. We understand that. You know that you're born uh, and uh, you come into this world not of your own choosing, but the choosing of others that brought you into this world. You didn't choose to be naturally, physically born and you have no memory of being born. Uh, but you were born by the choices made by others. But your spiritual birth is different. Your spiritual birth is uh, because of your own choosing. Now, we, we understand that, uh, that in the plan of God, that uh, there's no child that is that is uh, conceived and born, that is not in the mind of God and the plan of God. And it's a pretty mysterious thing, but, but Psalm 139 describes it this way. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. And that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. That's a pretty mysterious verse, isn't it? 
Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. One of the reasons that we are pro-life is because we believe that life begins at conception. And we do not believe that any person has the right to take the life of an unborn child. Amen. That's our conviction. That's our Christian conviction. I know there's some churches, some ministers even, that take a, a, a different view of that. But I don't believe they have anything to stand on as far as a biblical position that they can stand on. Babies are wonderful. Babies are a gift of God. Your, but your spiritual birth is not, uh, it's not the choice of others. Your spiritual, spiritual birth is up to you. So the question today is, have you been born again? Have you been born again? And this text verifies the fact that if you have not been born again, you are not a candidate to be with the Lord for all of eternity. You're not going to heaven. You're not going to go. And everybody that says they're going to heaven is not going to heaven. You must be born again. There must be this spiritual birth, this spiritual transformation if you are going to heaven. Amen. Praise God. You know that um, you hear people use the term unplanned pregnancies. Unplanned pregnancies. Or as far as God is concerned, they're all a part of His plan. Even children that are born in the ghettos of some foreign city in poverty, born in the bush of Africa, it doesn't matter. All births were planned by God. Amen. They're all in the mind of God. They're all a purpose and a plan for every child and every baby conceived and born in this world. They are all are precious before God. And God has a plan for every one of them. But he also has a plan for every one of us today. And that plan is for you to be born again. He is not willing that any would perish, but that all come to repentance. It is the plan of God. It is the will of God. It is the purpose of God that you be born of the Spirit. And uh, uh, you can make that decision even today. You can call upon the Lord and put your trust in the Lord Jesus today. And there can be a spiritual transformation. You know, it, it, it begins with, um, first of all, kind of a curiosity. When people begin to think about, maybe I need God. Maybe I need God in my life. And you never know how that God might be dealing with a person's heart. They may be far removed from God, far removed from the things of God as far as what you can see, but you never know how God might be dealing with them and stirring up their interest, stirring up their curiosity as to spiritual things. That's what's going on in this account of this man, Nicodemus, coming to Jesus at night. The Bible says that Nicodemus appeared to Jesus under the cover of darkness, Nicodemus was uh, a man of real importance and stature as far as the Jewish 
community was concerned. He was a Pharisee, which meant that he was a strict uh, religious man, a separated man, uh, as far as uh, uh, his lifestyle was concerned. Uh, although the Pharisees did uh, have a tendency to believe the tr traditions of men as much or more than they believe the law of God. And that's what he was. Nicodemus was a Jewish man, but he has a, a Greek name. His name, the first part of his name, Nico, comes from the Greek word Nike, or we would, we would uh, recognize it as Nike. It means victory. And then the, the, the last part, the Demus part of his name, just means people. And his, so his name means victory for the people or victory of, of, of the people. That was his Greek name. I mentioned already that he was a Pharisee. It also says that he was a ruler, which means he was part of the Sanhedrin court. There are 70 members of the Sanhedrin court that made decisions uh, about... Uh, all different kinds of cases in the Jewish uh, community, and he was one of them. And then Jesus also mentions that uh, to Nicodemus, aren't you a master? You're a master uh, of Israel. Art thou, this is verse 10, art thou a master of Israel? Which means that he was a, he was a teacher and a prominent teacher of the law. So here he is, he is this man that is... Uh, uh, with a, a Jewish Pharisee, a member of the Sanhedrin, and uh, a man who was a master teacher known for his understanding of the law. He knew a lot of things. He had a lot of good information up here in his head. But when it come to this concept of, of being born again, he couldn't get it. He couldn't understand it. But his curiosity was stirred up. So he came... Uh, by night to Jesus. He came after dark. He didn't want anyone to know that he was curious to know about Jesus. He didn't want anybody to know. He didn't, he didn't want to jeopardize his position and, and uh, in the Sanhedrin. He didn't want to jeopardize his position as a person of, of uh, you know, renown, uh, a master teacher in, uh, in uh, the Jewish community. But uh, but he came by cover of night. A lot of people are curious about the Lord, but they're not willing to come out publicly with their curiosity. And so they want to keep it private or quiet that they're interested. They don't want people that they work with to know. They don't want uh, people that they uh, associate with, go to school with. They don't want people to know that they are a seeker. But there are a lot more people out there than you could ever dream of, ever imagine that are in that category like Nicodemus. Curious, seekers, longing, searching, wanting to, have, wanting to find some answers and just be ready because there are those that God allows you and I to come in contact with more often than we even realize who are curious and they are seekers and they are longing for the truth. Amen. So don't be ashamed or afraid to speak up and to declare the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Nicodemus, he asked a lot of questions in this text. And his first question was, 
Now, how can I be born again? How can I go back into my mother's womb and be born again? I'm already grown. How could that ever happen? He did not understand that this was to be a spiritual birth, a spiritual birth, not a physical uh, birth. So Jesus responded to him in verse 5 and said, Verily I say unto you, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now some folks take that verse and uh, use that as an opportunity to say that if you're, you can't be saved until you are baptized in water. You must be born of the water, it says here, and of the Spirit. That's not what it's talking about at all. That first part is talking about your physical birth. You know, I know that, that you all, I'm not going to go into all the, the details of it, but little babies before they're born, they're swimming around in there uh, in their mother's womb and in water. And so the, you must be first born naturally, physically, it says. And Jesus explains it this in the very next verse when he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And he was explaining to Nicodemus that you are born physically into this world, but you need to be born of the spirit. You need to be born again. You must be born again. <clears throat> and when you're born again, then your life is changed. Amen. And when someone is physically born, obviously it's, you see the baby, you see, you know, there's no denying that, that there's been a birth. But when you're born of the Spirit, it's not that obvious. It's not that obvious. And that's what he's talking about in verse 8 when he says, The wind blows where it listeth. You don't see the wind blowing, uh, but you see the evidence that the wind is blowing. And he's describing that. That's what happens when a person is born again. You don't see it physically with your eyes, but you do begin to see the evidence of it. You do begin to see the evidences of it. But thou canst not tell whence it cometh and whether it goeth. So everyone that is born of the Spirit is like that wind. You don't see it. You don't see the birth, the spiritual birth, but you immediately begin to see the evidences that that person has been born again. Amen. That's a wonderful thing to see, isn't it? When you see somebody really get born again, then you see something stirring up inside of them. Suddenly they're interested in the, the Bible, God's Word. They're suddenly interested in fellowshipping with the people of God. They enjoy the house of God. They enjoy the presence of God. They want to grow in the things and the knowledge of the Lord. They want to be more like Him. And so you see the evidence that someone is truly born again by what begins to happen in their life. They have been born of the Spirit. Praise God. Amen. And that's what needs to take place in the lives of a lot of people. I believe there are people that you're connected with, maybe some of your loved ones, family members, maybe even some of your neighbors and friends that you've talked to about the Lord. There's something going on in their heart. There's this interest, this curiosity uh, that is stirred up in their heart. That's really how it all begins. They get interested. They get curious uh, to know more about what it is to know Jesus and to serve the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. So Nicodemus comes by night. 
Uh, he's interested, but he's not convinced. He wants his questions answered, uh, but uh, he's not fully willing to be public with his interest yet. And, uh, you know, he said of Jesus there, I think it's in verse 2, he said, We know you're a rabbi. We know you're a teacher. And we know that you must be from God or you couldn't perform all these miracles. This is Nicodemus making this profession. I mean, there's things about Jesus that he knew and that he believed. It's not enough to know a lot about Jesus. It's not even enough to know that he can do miracles or that he can heal the sick. It's not enough to know a lot of things about Jesus or even to believe a lot of things about him. You must put your faith and your trust in Jesus. You must confess your sins and believe upon Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, to be your Lord and your Savior, and be born again of the Spirit of God. Praise God. Amen. Jesus told Nic Nicodemus, you can't understand heavenly things because you're, you're uh, a carnal man. You're just a religious man. That's what he says in verse 12. If I have told you earthly things and you, would, you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of God, which is in heaven. And just as Moses was lifted up, he uses that story from the Old Testament, Numbers chapter 21, where Moses uh, got weary with all of the bickering and the complaining of the children of Israel, and God sent those serpents into their midst, and many of them were bitten, and some of them died but then he lifted up a brass serpent on a, a pole and said, if you'll look to this pole, to this brass serpent, if you'll look to him, you'll be healed. You'll be saved. And Jesus is telling Nicodemus that I'm going to be lifted up from the earth one of these days soon. And, and when I am, if you'll just look to me, you can be saved. You can be born again of the Spirit. Amen. So the curiosity then becomes conviction. It's first curiosity and interest, then it becomes conviction, conviction of sin. When he begins to realize there's only one way, it's just like Moses said to them, if you don't look on this brass serpent lifted up on this pole, you're going to die. You're going to die. There's only one cure, only one remedy for the sins of mankind and he's telling Nicodemus if you don't look to Jesus you can't be saved you can't be born again it's only through him that you can be born again praise God amen aren't you thankful for the day that you heard the gospel and you called upon the Lord you repented of your sins some of you were like me children young people whatever age it makes no difference and he takes you right where you are Right where you are right now today, if you have not been born again, you can be today born again of the Spirit of God. And your life will be changed from this day forward. You will be completely transformed by the power of the message of the gospel. Amen. So my desire is to stir up some interest in the message of the gospel and uh, a desire to see conviction of sin fall upon the hearts of men and women and young people 
so that you recognize there's no way out of this. I, I, there's no hope for me unless I put my faith in Jesus. There's no answer to, to all of the ills and the sins and the failures of my life. There is no answer unless I look to Jesus. And if you'll look to him, you can be born again of the Spirit. Praise God. Glory to God. God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his son so that you could be forgiven. He gave his son so that you could be born again of the Spirit. Amen. So what happened to Nicodemus? Well, we have some pretty good evidence. Something supernatural took root in his heart. We don't know if it happened that day, but I'm convinced that one of these days when we get to heaven, we're going to meet that man, Nicodemus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Who had that encounter with Jesus during the night. John chapter 19, after Jesus had been crucified, there was a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea that came and sought the body of the Lord. John 19 in verse 38. But he came, uh, but after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, being sec uh, but secretly for fear of the Jews, be besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. Verse 39. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes and about a hundred pound weight and then took the body of Jesus and wound it in linen cloth with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden and in the garden a new sepulcher wherein was never man yet laid. There laid they, Jesus, that's Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, there they laid Jesus because of the Jews, because of the Jews' preparation day for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. I don't know. Believe what you will. I just believe that somewhere along the line, what Jesus spoke to Nicodemus that night, it took root in his heart. It, it affected his life. I believe that somewhere along the way he, was, he, he began to believe upon Jesus. He believed upon him and he was born again. And on that day of Jesus' crucifixion, Nicodemus is there. And he's there to honor Jesus, to help bury him. He believed in him because he was touched by the power of the gospel. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the gospel of Jesus Christ that can change people's lives. Amen. That's why we preach this wonderful gospel because we believe it is the power of God unto salvation. We believe that if people will put their faith and trust in Jesus, their life can be changed and their eternity can be changed if they'll put their trust in the Lord. How do you get to heaven? You must be born again. You got to be born again. Oh, I remember experience that I had as a young person coming to the Lord I knew a lot. I was kind of like Nicodemus. You know, I was raised in church. I knew a lot about the Bible. I was raised up around spiritual things, but it had to become real and personal to me. And as a young person, I remember what happened to me 
and how that I called upon the Lord, how I confessed my sins, how I repented of my sins, and I asked the Lord to come into my life, and there was a, there was a transformation that took place. Praise God for that. Hallelujah. You must be born again. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for the power of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. And I pray, Lord, for those listening to this service right now. They may just be curious. They may just be interested. They may be wondering about their need and what they can do about the problem of sin in their life. And I pray, Lord, that Holy Ghost conviction would fall upon their hearts today. And they would recognize, I can't do anything about my sin problem. I can't do anything about it. I can't change myself. I can't better myself by my own will and my own choices. I must look to Jesus. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so do we have to look to Jesus. So Lord, I just pray in this service to everyone listening to this service today, online or right here in this sanctuary, I pray, Lord, that you would send conviction to, to the hearts of people just like you did to Nicodemus thank you Lord that you touched his life you transformed his life you changed him for all of eternity praise God and I believe in you to do that this morning Lord save and deliver and forgive sinners of their sin that they could be born again of the Spirit. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, this born-again experience is really powerful. And I was there with my mom this week. I had a chance to talk over with her again we talked a little bit about the woman the little lady that came and knocked on the door at her house when she was a child invited her to church my mom and her sister started going to Sunday school and the seeds of the gospel were planted in their hearts praise God praise God they never got away from that later on my mom is just a young mother those seeds that were sown in her heart they became fruitful she was truly born again amen so that one little lady that knocked on their door changed my mom changed her sister changed some of her family changed my mom's family it has an effect today in this service today because that woman, I don't know that I would ever heard the gospel if it hadn't have been for that woman having the faith to believe that it's, it's okay. It's the right thing to do to welcome people to the house of God, to invite them and to sow the seeds of truth in their hearts. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord for the power of the gospel that can change your life and change your future. Praise the Lord. Let's stand together uh, this